Hi, and welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. In today's episode, I'm joined by Niraj Nayak, the renegade pharmacist and also the founder of Soma Breath. Today, we'll be discussing his journey in wellness, starting off as a pharmacist in the UK, and then being diagnosed and dealing with his own chronic pain. When modern Western medicine failed to heal his illness, he then began to study alternative modalities for healing and then healed himself and now he shares his knowledge with others. Hi Niraj, welcome, welcome to the Hadassah Collective. Thank you so much for joining me. Niraj, otherwise known as the Renegade Pharmacist. I'm so excited for you to come and share your journey. I think it's super transformative for our listeners and um, I think everyone will get a lot out of it. So welcome, thanks for being with me. Great, it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Good, good. How, how are things going with you? How are you feeling right now? Where, where are you in um, quarantine or lockdown? Um, actually, describe that for our listeners, what that looks yeah, like for you. Sure, yeah, yeah. We're actually in um, like a very, very fortunate place. We're in an island called Kopangan, which uh, hasn't really had any cases. So uh, they pretty much at one point quarantined the island off. So um, it's been very relaxed here. Uh, you know, the beaches are open. Uh, all the properties are super cheap. So we've rented an amazing villa for the entire Soma team. And, uh, you know, now things are like pretty much back to normal. Um, a lot of the shops, restaurants are open again. So uh, without trying to make anyone jealous, like we are really, <laughs> really blessed. <laughs> yeah. yeah amazing and it's so great that you guys have all got your your whole team is there together and um, yeah I can definitely think of worse places to be um, locked down on than Copenhagen well the funny and thing so, is this is actually the birthplace of where Soma began like I started doing it yeah on the beaches here with a few friends and uh, it's turned into this big global movement and we all happen to be here at the same time uh so we've all we're all living together and we've grown like I think we've doubled the uh number of instructors uh in the last uh you know couple of months, which is just incredible. So we're taking incredible. full advantage of all the time and um ability we have through the internet like this, this miracle that we've yeah. got at our fingertips to communicate with people around the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it really is incredible. It really is such a blessing. I mean, could you imagine doing this without internet? We would be really, really cut off. And um, mm. I think it's very, very interesting as well to see through this how people have really opened up and become very creative and innovative in how they use the internet to communicate with people, to, to share their gifts with people. So I think that's amazing. Oh, totally. And so what is... 
Yeah, yeah. So what is the feeling around Copenhagen? Like, what is the collective feeling that you're tapping into, not just around Copenhagen, but in, in general as well? Because you seem to be pretty grounded and pretty happy and pretty productive in this space. But, um, you know, through your clients and things like that that you have all over the world, what is what is the general feeling and consensus well, at this time? Of course, yeah. So it really depends on where in the world you are. So, you know... Uh, Certain places are really affected uh, by this situation, especially like England, where I'm actually from, um, and certain states in America. And actually, through our Soma community, um, f actually, I actually made a post, like, has anyone got coronavirus or been affected by coronavirus? And actually, no one had within our 20,000-plus uh, kind of group uh, membership in our... Um, on, wow. on Facebook, which was interesting, but I do know that there's a there's a polarization. So some people are very yeah. very uh, kind of scared and uh, really strictly uh, kind of adhering to all the rules, and then there's the others who are um, you know playing by the rules, but they're very open minded to mm -hmm. figuring out what is really going on and questioning the the official narrative and the status quo. Because it's their, um, you know, I think it's their right to, to, to question things and not just follow orders blindly. And I'm like that. I'm, my mindset is like yeah. that. I don't just, I'm not very good with authority. I like to, um, <laughs> you know, to question what I'm being told to do, especially when it's a forced thing. And uh, so there is actually now a bit of a polarization. I've noticed uh, there's a, True Colors, you know that song, True Colors? Da, da, yeah, da, that's really been uh, coming up um, for me, like in terms of like people that you met in person who are really, uh, like thought they were really good friends or whatever, and they just turn on you for having a slightly different opinion or questioning things. And this label of conspiracy theorists is really being pushed around. Uh, everyone who mm. um, has any kind of question of what is really going on uh, is labeled instantly a conspiracy theorist. Where I'd like to change that label to a sensible person. Uh, because yeah. if we just blindly follow things, uh, look at history where people have just blindly followed rules from above mm -hmm. and what's happened as a result. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, you just have to look at history. Do a bit of history research and you'll see uh, even where that term conspiracy comes from and a uh, conspiracy theorist comes from and how it's used as a propaganda tool to misdirect people. And Yeah, you know, I've seen I, the polarization yeah. of that as well, actually, because yeah. I've seen, you know, um, it, it's actually healthy. It's actually part of the democratic process to question yes. and um, to have an understanding of policy. And um, so... That, that's actually a really healthy part of the democratic process and um, we are actually all responsible citizens when we do do that when we do question the things that come from our governments and, and things totally. like that and this label conspiracy theorists like you know there is that there you know there's definitely things that i don't subscribe to that are you know very off the wall and um you know, very anti-establishment. And I think what the kind of people that you're talking about is not necessarily anti-establishment. It's just like, where are we going as a collective? And we're all accountable for our own input in that space. Yeah, well, when and, civil um, liberties... That's not conspiracy theory. Yeah, when yeah. civil liberties, our freedoms are at stake, we really must question mm. 
uh, mm. the the actions, you know, of, of authority yeah. because that can end in a really bad situation. So these are the times when we really must question, when laws are being put in place and, uh, yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, we, I, I'm I not... I think in the same... I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going so against the system the sa- or anything. I'm not no, anti-vax no, I know or you anything like that. And you're not. Yeah. And I think in the same space as well is that we need to, you know, we need to have hold some space for our leaders as well and, you know, pray for them um, and, you know, hold some space for them because this is also something that they've never seen before in their lifetime mm. as well. And they're trying to navigate it. They're trying to make really, really difficult decisions about whether to keep economies shut and people are starving if the economies are shut or whether to open and expose the risk for, the, for um, this virus. And so they're also in a difficult space. And then there are others um, that, that really need to be questioned and, and understand what is going on behind the scenes here. Oh, totally, and, yeah. Um, totally. So, yeah. Mm. And so healthy questioning is is always encouraged. And definitely here at the Hadassah Collective, that's what we're all about. And I think that's what's really interesting, is a really interesting segue actually into your story because, mm. you know, you originally were a pharmacist, a traditional pharmacist, and you, you learned, all, you know, through school, you you learned the status quo, really, and what, yeah. in terms of medicine and in terms of health. And when it came to your own health, when that system failed you, that really gave birth to what is now Soma Breathwork and such a huge, incredible movement. And yes. um, so let's let's lead into that. Let's um, let's start from the beginning. And um, how did you get on this path? And you know, what did what did your early life look like? Where were you from? Where did you go to school? Yeah, we'll sure. Start there. So uh, we're from the probably the same same uh, country, England. Um, I think that's your roots as well, right? I live. I went to school in England. Yeah. I, I have a very strange. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in America, but I went to school in England. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And uh, so I um, obviously I grew up there, and I was I have Indian parents who are very academically driven. Uh, you know, my mum's a doctor, and you know, a lot of my family are like relatives are like doctors and pharmacists and things like that. So I kind of got pushed into. A, uh, into the pharmacy or uh, into the medical field and pharmacy is a thing that I cho- chose at the time but I didn't really I wasn't really aware of uh, so much about what it means to be a pharmacist until I actually finished university and ended up working in the pharmacy and that's when I started to realize like there was something not right with this system because I'm somebody I'm an entrepreneur entrepreneurs like to solve problems right and make things better that's really what we try to do and I just felt there were so many holes in this, this pharmaceutical business in terms of what is the goal of a pharma? What are we trying to do here? If the goal is to make loads of money, it's a really good business. Fantastic, but very successful. But if the goal is to actually help patients get better, uh, it's terrible. It doesn't do a good job at all. It does a good job in terms of like emergency situations so you know there are hospital pharmacists that give life-saving medicines to emergency situations like if you have an accident if you need like heart surgery or if you have an acute infection uh you know they are brilliant at that but when it comes to the diseases of lifestyle chronic diseases uh which is what majority of people are getting they're not so good at it 
uh, at dealing with it because drugs, yeah. unfortunately, are not intelligent. So, you know, you end up taking a plethora of different pills for to 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 modulate certain factors in your chemistry and your biology, which can lead to side effects because uh, they're not intelligent. They just do that one job of like bringing down like a, a cholesterol, for example. But cholesterol is really important for producing cell, healthy cells, hormones, and especially brain cells as well. So by depleting cholesterol, for example, in your body, natural production of cholesterol, it can lead to so many severe consequences, which I started to see very apparently. Uh, also, things like diabetes, you know, taking medicines for that. It's just like putting a Band-Aid on, on the situation. Like, you know, most people, uh, the reason why they get diabetes, type 2 we're talking about, is because they're consuming stuff that is triggering, you know, like high sugar in the, in the bloodstream, which leads to diabetes. Yeah. So lots of sugar, lots of carbs, refined carbs, factory-based foods. So all of these things can be solved by lifestyle changes. And this is what I started to do in the pharmacies. I started to, uh, to really help patients. I used to write shopping lists for patients based on their conditions, on how to like make normal food, like meals for themselves, rather than buying microwave meals in the supermarket. And actually, like, it, you'd be surprised at how few people made their own food. Like so many people, I'd say majority of people would just buy processed, ready-made meals, okay? Wow. And I had to start teaching people actually in the short time that I had on how to make their own food. So like, luckily on YouTube, there were loads of little recipe tutorials, uh, simple things people can make. And I would direct people to those and I would like give them shopping lists and things to buy. Like simple things like just healthy smoothies, uh, you know, with that would be sugar-free and, and be replacements to the amount of Coca-Cola people were drinking every day. It was unbelievable the amount of fizzy drinks people yeah. drank. And sh coffee with tons of sugar in it and things like that. So I had to kind of do a bit of re-education. And those who followed my advice got significantly better. And I even had doctors phoning me up telling me, this is amazing, keep going, keep doing what you're doing, this is next level. Anyway, that wow. led me to being promoted to head office one of the biggest corporations and I was going to do a really novel project for them until six months into it, it got shelved. And, uh, and I also saw what it's like to work in a corporate head office of a huge corporation who has so many different uh, vested interests and things that um, suppress you know, often the right thing for people. Even though their intention is to do mm. the right thing, sometimes other things get in the way of that. And I got so disillusioned because I was trying to help people. I thought I could have made a huge impact. And I, had to, yeah. I was facing going back to being a pharmacist. And, you know, I'd worked so hard to get out of that, that career into something more like that was more aligned with who I am. Impactful. And mm. the fear kicked in, the disillusionment, the lack of connection to spirit. And I just lost faith in humanity. And literally, it was like a lightning bolt struck me. And I got this chronic illness called ulcerative colitis, ended up housebound for a year. And I'd lost like three stone in weight, which is like about 25 kg or something like that. Uh, and I was going to toilet like 40 times a day, bleeding. 
and you know the drugs have stopped working and then there was a point where I had to make a choice I well literally I went to the, see the doctor because the consultant and they said that uh, because nothing's working for you you've got two choices either you have your colon removed or you become a guinea pig for a new drug that hasn't even been tested before and I was just not happy about either of those situations and I was really desperate and they say God stands for gift of desperation and literally at that moment I prayed and and luckily by fate a dear friend of our family now Swami Ambikananda she's a yoga teacher in the UK she taught me well she basically said to me you've got a gift here if you can uh, transform it if you can get over this you've been an amazing role model to other people and she taught me the foundations of pranayama, ayurveda, yoga, going back to my roots. And I'm very skeptical, but I was in such a desperate situation that I just followed it. And within yeah. a few months, I got back to normal. I went, it made me go really deep into these subjects myself. I, I did my own research, started studying and looking for people who'd actually healed themselves from this condition naturally. And mm. eventually, like... Uh, within a few months, I was back to normal. And I made a pact that I was going to do whatever I can, put science to this, to spread this awareness to as many people as possible, with the science, with the proof, with the, with the evidence. And that eventually led to what we've got created with Soma Breath, uh, which is really focused a lot on the breathing practices, because the breathing practices is something that are very easy to do, very easy to understand, and everyone can do that. Everyone can breathe, um, you know. And that means that we, you know, we, we're really working on the core of where disease comes from, and that is the nervous system. And with the breath, we can yeah. actually influence the nervous system and the chemistry of the body instantly. So, yeah, this is why we're having such good results. And then that becomes a gateway to people going into deeper into these subjects, you know. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. You touched about something on something as well. When you're talking about Western medicine, and um, I love how you don't disregard it completely, and you do acknowledge the space it has in terms of you know life-saving situations in terms when you have an accident or something like this. And Western medicine has really revolutionized the medical industry in that space. But um, do you agree that we've sort of lost our way and we've got it a little bit confused. We've got it a little turned around the wrong way. From my perspective, this is how I see it, is that the ancient practices like Ayurveda are a lifestyle. And it's it's really about balancing all of the doshas, and it's a lifestyle of doing that. And that's yes. how you maintain wellness. And yeah. um, whereas we've got it confused, and we've turned to Western medicine maintaining us you know we've turned western medicine into a lifestyle and then suddenly when western medicine fails us we go oh we should maybe try ayurveda but it doesn't work like that you know mm. ayurveda is a lifestyle that to be practiced and then western medicine if there is an emergency then we can include that so yes. how do you feel about that yeah so the problem is and let's be brutally honest here pharmacy is a business mm. right and there's money yeah. to be made at it and if you an entrepreneur and you understand marketing and, and profit and things like that, the cures are bad for business, okay? Because there's this new emergence of this gene therapies and things like that, which could actually be potential cures for such. And they actually say cures are potentially bad for business. So they even admit it. 
Um, and it's true because if you cure someone, then that's it. They're not a customer anymore. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, like to make as much money as possible, you want somebody to take a pill for the rest of their life or plethora of pills for the rest of their life. That's really how you're going to make the most money. So if you just put yourself in the position of being the CEO of the biggest drug companies, then this is probably what they're thinking uh, because that's what the results are showing us is that most people are taking pills for lifestyle issues and they're taking plethora of these pills because sometimes you need pills to suppress the side effects of other pills and and that means mm. that um, you end up having customers for life and crazy yeah. amounts of money is being made. So then what happens is then people become dependent on these things and they stop looking at what is the real cause of these conditions in the first place. And they are lifestyle things. So Ayurveda yeah. is a lifestyle guide for your yeah. health. And it, it takes into account how you look, your, uh, how you think, uh, your, um, you know, a lot of things about how you are under different stressful situations. There's a whole questionnaire that you do to figure out your dosha type, which determines then the kinds of foods that are good for you, uh, the kinds of um, exercises, the way you breathe. There's a whole prescription based yeah. on your dosha types in Ayurveda. And then there's different herbs, there's different um, uh, you know, concoctions that you can create with these Ayurvedic medicines. And this is the thing. So there's no one-size-fits-all in Ayurveda. Whereas um, what reductionist science does, which is what Western medicine is, is it tries to put a blanket on uh, every single person and, and makes it seem like every single person is the same, okay? And that we're all the same. But unfortunately, we're not. We're not rational. We're not l linear creatures. We are actually completely irrational and uh, we're, we're non-linear, all right? Because we are more like a whole bundle of different chemicals, nervous impulses, different environmental factors, the environment we live in, even our upbringing, you know, in the seven years of a life and our habits and thoughts and our mental state, so many different factors that determines our true health. And mm. so it's very hard to say that one pill for everyone is going to fix uh, a disease, you know, it's, it yeah. just doesn't work like that. And, it, and the results show themselves. And actually, the problem with that is that then you get side effects. And then you end up taking pills for the side effects. But with Ayurveda, you can actually create a lifestyle for different conditions. And here's the thing. So I use this analogy. So if you bash your head against the wall, right, you need ice to bring the swelling down, okay? But if you keep bashing your head against the wall, you're going to need more and more ice to bring the swelling down. And eventually it's going to get out of control. You know, it doesn't matter how much ice you got, the swelling is just going to keep getting worse and you're going to end up in a serious trauma. And that's the thing. So the, the, the pills are like the ice. But Ayurveda is like telling the person to stop banging the head against the wall. Do you know what I mean? That's what yeah. Ayurveda does. And it gives yeah. them the, the strategy on how to do that. So mm. what what so in some pe some cases people have got a disease that has become very inflammatory. So there's a deep amount of inflammation yeah. going on, and in those emergency situations, 
some of these medications can actually be life-saving, for sure. But yeah. then if they, the person keeps bashing their head against the wall, you're going to need more and more pills, different types of pills, to treat that situation. Whereas if you just teach them the right lifestyle, the right way yeah. to live in your environment, the right way to think, how to find a career that's suited to you, all these different factors, how to deal with a relationship, how to live your life, you know, a relationship that hasn't worked out, stress and all this stuff, and even how to breathe properly, which is what we're really focused on, because that has the most impact yeah. on your health instantly. Uh, then we can actually really start to solve these problems. So this is what we need to do. We need to have more people out there trained to solve lifestyle condition issues. And doctors know this. Doctors know that we need this. They're actually encouraging people to get out there. You know, in England, actually, like, there's some big shifts happen. Like, there's, there is a field of complementary therapy, and pharmacists are becoming more, like, lifestyle coaches. They're, they're, there are different career paths opening up because they've realized that in order to save the National Health Service, we need to solve these problems. And, there, and more yeah. evidence and more awareness is coming of how much of an impact diet, nutrition, exercise, all these things have. So there is a shift that we are moving towards a more enlightened healthcare system for sure. But there is still a lot of pressure and a lot of obstacles in the way that we're going to need to get past. Um, and this coronavirus situation has definitely highlighted uh, this and made me more aware of how powerful the media is at kind of hypnotizing people into a certain way of thinking. And I haven't seen any mainstream media channel talk about prevention when it comes to viruses, how to yeah. support the immune system. There is, I don't know a single place. There is now certain reports coming out. I don't know if they're in all the mainstream media channels, but like about the gut microbiome and how to look after yes. gut and how that Im improves your immune system and your chances of dealing with viruses. Uh, but very f there are now studies coming out about vitamin D and how deficient people who get coronavirus are of vitamin D. So... There are Harvard studies that have shown the effectiveness of vitamin D at suppressing uh, cold and flu and preventing cold and flus. It's just incredible. All that knowledge is out there. You can look this all up. So, you know, why not um, encourage, like, vitamin C supplementation, vitamin D supplementation, all these d different ways we can do exercise at home, yoga techniques for clearing the lymphatic system, you know, and the idea of shunning people away, away from sunlight, and not being able to exercise and do things like that, that's, and wearing masks all day long where you're breathing in your own kind of carbon dioxide that can actually affect your own, uh, you know, uh, physiology in a negative way. And, uh, you know, just weird, it's weird. Like, the, 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 um, these ideas that are being pushed, at, you know, in this lockdown, are going against our own natural immune system. Mm. And I really hope that people wake up to that. It seems like they are. The policymakers wake yeah. up to this. A lot of people a lot of people are, and I think a lot of people question and very early on, sort of with in this coronavirus time, I found it quite strange that there it was there was a lot of information about 
washing your hands, wearing masks, everything like that, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But there was no information coming from our governments about how to boost our immune system, how to have the strongest immune system possible. Exactly. And I did, I thought that was a little strange. But, um, you know, as I said, because they are, they were that, in. That's how vaccines yeah. work. Vaccines work by helping your own immune system by your immune it gives you a little dose of the virus so that your body creates antibodies so that if you get a bigger hit of the virus your body can deal with it so really what is it a vaccine doing it's helping your own immune system to function better mm -hmm. so we can do that with other means before waiting for a virus a vaccine to be on the market i'm not anti-vaccines but they need to be safe yeah. they need to be effective they need to work before they're forced onto people. And, but there are so many other things we can Definitely do. Definitely pro-education, you know, pro-personal education, personal empowerment, and personal choice when it comes to things like vaccines. I mean, I'm definitely not anti-vaccines. I've had many of them, um, especially when I was a child. And, you know, there are a lot of things in this world that have been really assisted by vaccines. But when it comes to a space where people are forced to, to take something that they've not been allowed to be educated on, I think that that is... Um, something that it that is not um, okay. No, totally not. I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. So for the person that is listening at the moment, and you know they they haven't had a health crisis, like it brought you. I, I found a lot of commonalities in in these when I've been doing these interviews that it that a lot of people have come to a point where. Um, a desperation point like you did with your ulcerative colitis and you had to seek out and if people are sitting here and they're listening and um, they're reasonably healthy but they're wanting to be the healthiest they can be and improve on their health and ensure that they continue to be healthy where do they start with Ayurveda what would okay. be some resources that you could give for that are there any um, great books to yeah. read or experts to follow so there is a really good um, kind of book called Ayurvedic Healing by Dr. David Frawley, who's one of the uh, America's kind of uh, real uh, experts on Ayurveda. He, he makes it very easy to understand. Uh, so I really recommend his stuff. Um, and what you'll find is you can just do simple questions um, you can answer simple questions inside his book, Ayurvedic Healing. There's, there's a, all the questions are in there. And you can determine from that what your energy type is. There are websites out there as well, like Deepak Chopra has a quiz. I'm building mm. one myself to make it more simple. Um, yeah. And so uh, there are like little qu quizzes you can do that quickly determines who your, what your dosha is, your energy type is. And then from that, you can actually look at the recommendations for your your diet, your exercise, and even your the kind of environment you should live in that's best for your energy type. So it's very simple, actually, you know. But you can also go and find a good Ayurvedic practitioner as well in your area, you know. Mm. But there are also ones that maybe aren't so good. So you have to look at the ones that have got credibility, testimonials, and come from good recommended uh, sources. So um, this would be the way to start, to figure out what is your dosha type, which you can do yourself. A lot of it you can actually figure out yourself. You don't even have to go and speak to an Ayurvedic doctor. But there are some really good ones who can actually even determine from your pulse 
um, certain factors yeah. about your physiology and your health. Uh, I find the really good ones who can do that are, are in India. Uh, they're the ones I've met. Um, but they're also few and far between. <laughs> there's, there's not that many. Like a lot of this information got suppressed as well from when the British took over India and changed the whole educational system. A lot of this information got lost over time. But there are still some places, like in Mysore, where you can actually, um, uh, where there's a lot more of that sacred kind of knowledge and the wisdom was more uh, preserved in places like Mysore, up in the Himalayas as well. Uh, you know, but you have to go Don't and you do think it's interesting? Mm. It's very interesting as well that as, you know, the Western countries are actually all sort of coming around and flipping around to this as well and saying, oh, hang on a second, there was a lot of wisdom in this Eastern philosophy and this Eastern medicine and these practices can really assist people. So I think it's a, even in Australia as well, there's a big push. A lot of insurance companies now cover for alternative healing, yeah. like acupuncture and things like this. And um, Well, actually, Prince Charles is a huge fan of Ayurveda and he actually went there oh. not so long ago and he gets treatment done as well you can look that up just type in Prince Charles Ayurveda you can see even see who's doctor Ayurvedic doctor is in India and go and check him out yourself uh, but there is also let me just get this um, somebody sent me another really good clinic I'm gonna go there as soon as we can get out of here of this lockdown I can come back to India um, I'm gonna actually go and visit uh, Dr. Jag, Jag Therapy in Mysore. We'll put the details for that um, center in Mysore into the show notes as well, so it's available for everyone. And um, yeah, it's it's very interesting these sorts of things that you uncover because one of the one of the reasons for starting this podcast actually, or one of the re and one of the things that. I found when I went to, when I moved to India several years ago, I was so excited. It was one of the most, you know, one of the, the biggest bonuses of me moving to India that I was finally going to be in the home of yoga and the home of Ayurveda. And when I moved to Bombay, I had very na naive ideas about, you know, that we're going to be so immersed in this. When I moved to Bombay, I realized that a lot of, you know, there, there isn't actually a lot of, a lot of that. You have to go searching for it. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the point of, yeah, that's kind of the point of this podcast is to bring some of those incredible gems of wisdom that are, you know, are in India um, to the forefront and make them available to a lot of people. Because I think a lot of people are in a similar space where they, you know, they recognize that um, certainly some of my relatives, they recognize that this this road that we're going down with being heavily dependent on pharmaceuticals is is not a great space to be and it's not a space for optimum health and optimum lifestyle and vitality and um so we're returning to these more holistic practices and um i think that's really powerful because i i love that kind of thing anyway but um i think it's really powerful as a society because it gives us again um, more of a sense of our own independence and our own autonomy in, in regards to our health. And um, I think that that can only ever be a good thing. And um, so then we moved into, so then once you, you discovered Ayurveda, 
and um, you started practicing yoga and you really focus on the breath work, on the pranayama, and you have some amazing practices for this. And so tell us a little bit more about what you guys do at SOMA um, because you've had some incredible results with people, like really mind-blowing results with people's health as well. So tell us something about that. For sure, yeah. So pranayama literally means energy control. It's one of the uh, foundational branches of yoga, very important core part of it. Uh, and it's often misunderstood or overlooked in, in terms of importance. And it's amazing how few people I uh, met in India actually are even aware of what really pranayama is, even though it supposedly originates from there. So uh, what I discovered was um, the power of just very simple breathing techniques and its influence on your physiology. And through understanding breathing and, and the, the mechanism of breathing, how it impacts the produ production of energy in the, in the body. And according to the quantum science, we energy and matter it coexist same time. Energy equals matter. It's a-duality. Actually, that's another Advaita philosophy is another um, is the is a Vedic kind of philosophy. Is the is a yoga philosophy, which is the energy and matter equal uh, equal uh, the a duality, and that e equals m basically not e equals m c squared, but e equals m, and the quantum world, this new emerging field of quantum science, uh, you could say the Upanishads was like a, uh, they were already very aware yeah. of this. And the Upanishads was actually the kind of the early like blueprint of quantum science. Because actually a lot of what we are now in discovering through the quantum world uh, has been described in similar ways in Sanskrit, in yeah. the Upanishads. So, yeah, so basically um, what, I, what, what, uh, what pranayama literally means is energy control. So through the breath, we can actually control the energy production in the body. And this happens in the mitochondria. And according to pranayama as well, um, uh, you know, so by modulating the, in the energy within, we ha will have an influence on the energy uh, around us. And this is what yoga is. It's the union of the inner world with the outer world. That's what yoga pretty much means. And so pranayama is a series of techniques which actually allows you to have a control of energy in your body, the production of energy which involves either breathing practices or a combination of breathing and movement. And these are energy-moving practices. So through this, uh, we can actually change the inner environment and create a more healthy environment for our cells of the body, our nervous system. And this can directly actually have an effect on our outer world environment. That's the philosophy of it. And actually, this kind of makes sense if you look at it scientifically so when you breathe in you breathe in oxygen and it combines it burns with glucose to produce a like a fire an inner fire inside the mitochondria which produces atp and atp is like a light energy a biophotonic light energy which is a communicational energy between uh, uh method between every cell is how every cell can communicates with each other through like photonic energy so um, we are really like light bodies 
you know, this whole new age term of being a light being, yeah. we are. Through the way we communicate with each cell, it's like, it's through light, light, light energy. So even through certain breathing practices, you can create like a harmony between the communication between every cell. Because the understanding is, is that when there's a disharmony in the nervous system, in the, in the energy of, of a person being, this is what leads to disease. So pranayama really is all about bringing back a balance within the mm. nervous system to, to get rid of, to avoid disease from occurring. And just simple practices every single day you can do can actually have a big impact in this. And another thing according to pranayama is like, they, the way it was evolved was from studying animals in nature. And what they realized was that animals that live a very long period of time, they breathe very slowly. So elephants and turtles, they have very slow breathing rates, like two to four breaths per minute. Animals that don't live a very long time, like mice, rodents, squirrels, things like that, they breathe very fast, like 30, 40 breaths per minute. Humans have the conscious ability to control the rate of our breath. And so we can consciously control the breath. And therefore, through breathing practices, the logic is that we can actually expand our lifestyle. Like, really, we should be living above 100 years, okay? And the guy who coined the term oxidative stress, called Helmut Sees, he's a very famous scientist. He says that although we, uh, it's impossible for us to live without oxygen, it's also very difficult for us to live with oxygen because of this problem of oxidative stress. When you produce energy in the body, it's like creating a fire inside. You produce... Uh, free radicals and uh, reactive oxygen species that actually can damage cells and cause inflammation. So over-breathing is a big problem. And over-breathing is associated with uh, where you have a lot of emotional stress and your body thinks you need to yeah. fight or flight and you produce a lot of adrenaline and you start to breathe faster than you than, and produce more fire inside than you actually need, more pitta energy than you actually need. Uh, so, actually, breath control, like pranayama, is actually a way to, uh, over time, become very efficient using oxygen. So you need less oxygen to breathe, to, to, to create energy, sorry. So, therefore, if your, your natural resting breathing rate will go down when you do certain pranayama techniques, which means your breathing is much slower. And actually... Yogis who are very, very well trained, they breathe through their nose and it's silent. And it's not about deep breathing or anything like that. Uh, you'll see a yogi, a true yogi, uh, will actually have very silent breath. They breathe through the nose. The nose is like a filter of air. So it also warms the air a bit, it prepares your air for oxygenation. It's what we should be breathing through. They don't breathe through their mouth. And actually, every time you talk, you actually breathe, over-breathe. You breathe out a lot of carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide is really important gas, okay? The carbon dioxide is what allows the oxygen in your red blood cells to go into the cells where it needs to go. If we, don't, if we talk a lot, if we over-breathe, if we're stressed out, we actually don't have enough carbon dioxide. And our oxygen stays stuck to your red blood cells. And that's what leads to inflammation and then heart disease eventually. So actually, pranayama is all about raising your tolerance to carbon dioxide so you can handle more levels of carbon dioxide. It's all about um, 
having a better vascularization, which means better blood flow around your body. It's also about having more efficient mitochondria. So you need the less, least amount of oxygen to breathe. And this is a reason why yogis go and live up in high Altitude. uh, mountains where the oxygen levels are very low, carbon dioxide levels are high. You know, like Mount Everest, for example, at the top of Mount Everest, the oxygen levels are super low. And it's the same as when you're in the womb. Your oxygen levels in the womb, are you're in a very hypoxic mm, condition. Oh, interesting. And what happens then is you're actually full of stem cells. Stem cells hate oxygen. Stem cells are cells that can turn into any other cell in the body. As soon as you're born, you get a lot of oxygen and the stem cells disappear and they hide in areas of very low oxygen, like your bone marrow and other areas where there's... Um, healthy cells surrounding them, which means that the stem cells, normal cells, sorry, surrounding them, which means the stem cells are in an hypoxic, low oxygen environment. That's the only way they can survive, but they're inactive. And the stem cells are only triggered into action when there's certain conditions. So low oxygen environments Mm. can trigger stem cells to wake up. Trauma can trigger them to wake up. And stem cells are a big field of research right now. There's more and more research going into stem cells and because they have the power to dramatically lower inflammation and grow, grow new cells. But through certain breathing techniques, we can actually wake up their function. And that technique, the most revered technique of all in, kumbak- in pranayama is called kumbhaka. This is what we form a lot of our basis around is kumbhaka, breath retention, where you can create certain conditions in the body where you produce a positive stress response in the body. You create a positive uh, release of adrenaline and positive uh, stress hormones that actually creates a strengthening and adaptive response to the body. You get more red blood cells. You get better vascularization in your body. You become more efficient in use oxygen. And over time, your breathing rate goes down. And actually, you can activate stem cells into circulation, which means that you lower inflammation over time and you regenerate... um, cells are dying you get new uh, growth of new tissue new muscle mass and there's certain exercises you can do using breath control techniques certain yoga asanas you can do certain ways of doing physical exercise high intensity exercise which actually also activates them and leads to a much healthier cardiovascular system and actually the number one killer in the world is heart disease not viruses not infections not anything else like uh it's heart disease so if we can prevent heart disease we can actually prolong our life and all of these techniques are from looking at it and really studying it from a medical perspective from the ancient tantric yoga uh, which has been preserved in the himalayas and also found in places like tibet it's not the kind of modern day yoga that we see today which is more like flowing from one pose to the next and only focus on asana the true traditional yoga, which is actually more like the Raja yoga, which has been preserved in the in the Himalayas still, which is what we're bringing to life. Um, and I have a, a doctor who works with us in Soma, who I studied with, in who actually is based in Haridwar, who's a, an absolute genius. He wrote a book called A Medical Understanding of Yoga. I recommend everybody gets it. It's called Prakash Marsh. Um, he's amazing. There's another doctor called Dr. B.M. Hegde. He's actually one of India's most famous doctors. He's won like the best awards there. All the politicians go to see him when they get sick, you know, 
royal family is going to see him because he's a he's so amazing. Um, uh, these people are advocates of this ancient traditional form of yoga, and and breathing practices, and and they they actually are showing how you can w use allopathic tradition uh, kind of con conventional medicine alongside these practices to create a much superior system for health than separate. And with these breathing practices, actually, you can have profound impacts on your brain, your cognitive function, your mental health, uh, your ability to get stuff done, to have more fun in your life, your enthusiasm for life. So what I've done is I've taken a lot of this knowledge, I've dissected it, I've created into a system that's really easy to follow and understand. Um, I, I'm also a music producer, so I'm, I've gone back into my passion for music. I discovered how music was actually a spiritual thing, which was used to actually um, accompany spiritual practices, especially breathing practices, uh, from like African tribal drumming and rhythm to Indian ragas and mantra singing, kirtans, things like that. And I've, I've taken these aspects, modernized it, made it more fun, and added science to it, and added the breathing practices to it, and created a system uh, which we call the Soma Breath uh, Protocols, where you're using breathing practices followed by um, these breath retention techniques that are powerful, super powerful, and create really dramatic shifts in people's health. Uh, and you can go into our Soma Breath group, you can see the amount of testimonials we have, the incredible feedback we get from people from all different areas. People who are not healthy to people who are actually very healthy but are using it for peak performance and having really amazing results with their, with their ability to get stuff done. You know, be more productive and efficient. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I think the, the program that you guys have put together is really incredible. And um, it's really brought these ancient techniques into the modern day. And I love that you have this background in Western medicine as well. So, you, you know, it's really where science and mysticism meets. And I love this in this quantum science space that we're in now that it's really like science is kind of catching up with the mysticism. And I love that crossover space where science is proving what we've already known yeah. for thousands of years through mysticism. And um, yeah, and I, yes. I think it's it's really beneficial to, to society to have these techniques. And, and this, this Soma breath work that you've brought in as well, um, that makes it very accessible to people to fit into their modern lives. Like we all can't um, go and live like a yogi in a cave in the Himalayas um, <laughs> to, kind of, to, to be able to do this, but we want some of these techniques to just better our everyday life. And so um, I think it's really incredible that you've done that. And so before we get, we are actually going to do a breathwork practice today, which is, which is amazing. And um, thank you for bringing that for us, um, Niraj. And, but before we get into that, is there any other sort of, um, who are your mentors? Um, who have you really looked up to, either in your real, in your personal life or um, celebrities or, you know, well-known figures? Um, who do you, who really inspires you and who do you look up to? Okay, that's a cool question. So actually, the um, the first time I ever heard anyone talk about uh, like holistic health in terms of exercise, nutrition, diet, and like changing your lifestyle to get healthy, uh, 
was actually Tony Robbins. This was in 2007 when I went to one of his, I got actually dragged to his event. This was when my low point as a pharmacist, I was really suffering. I just lost my way, my passion for life. And he was the first one who really um, kind of woke me up to the, the healing power of the body. And that's what inspired me to start helping patients in, in my daily practice. I had amazing results with that. Yeah. But then, um, what happened was uh, then I really went deep into these practices myself. And uh, I actually, my Swami was a big role model. My Swami Ambikananda, she's amazing. She has a big uh, yoga school in the UK, which is really good. Uh, Traditionalyoga.org, um, I think is their, their website. And she uh, taught me a lot about Ayurveda and these ancient practices from India. And that led me into discovering like Dr. David Frawley, who I mentioned before. And I study a lot of mm. his work on Ayurveda because he translates things very well and gets good results. Deepak Chopra was ob obviously an inspiration with his book, Quantum Healing. That definitely triggered my, uh, opened my eyes. Uh, but then in more recent times, um, as I, I became a, I really went into music and music therapy and I started to create uh, techniques, uh, te uh, and therapeutic music that a lot of like famous therapists now use. One of them, Marissa Peer, who reads, taught me a lot about the mind and the power of the mind and, and hypnosis, the power of words and language. I also learned like NLP from people like uh, Richard Bandler, my friend John Vinson, he's uh, trained directly with him and he taught me a lot about the mind and the magic and the power of words and visualization techniques. So he was a big inspiration, John, John Vinson. And then there was um, some books that I read, like Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson. It's one of the best books, I'd say, on uh, the, the understanding why we are what we are. Like, really, it's like a translation of enlightenment, how to become enlightened. Um, and it's a study of the consciousness and how our consciousness is programmed and, and, and a product of our environment. And he, he, he actually has translated basically the work of Timothy Leary, who was one of the first therapists to use LSD, um, psychotherapists. But he's a very controversial guy. But he wrote a book on the um, Eighth Circuit Model of Human Consciousness, which was uh, also a map of the chakra system in yoga. And so Rob Anton Wilson's work's amazing. Timothy Leary... And then that uh, also got me into uh, people like Stanislav Grof, holotropic breathwork, learning about breathing techniques like that, Leonard Orr, rebirthing. Uh, but then really what really got me um, uh, very hooked on the science of breathing, really understanding yoga from a medical perspective, physiological perspective, was Dr. Prakash Marsh, who's a very uh, big mentor of mine, I'd say, big, big influence. Um, and then actually my journey also led me to uh, teaming up with Wim Hof, you may have heard of. He's a superhuman yeah. Iceman, broke loads of records. I ended up making the soundtrack to his courses. And he really goes deep on breath retention and these kumbhaka yeah. techniques. And he showed me the power of what's possible uh, in terms of peak performance and endurance. And, and he's a, an amazing guy who you know, reads and writes Sanskrit, really has a deep knowledge of these ancient practices and is an embodiment of them. And I was very fortunate to have him as a friend and mentor 
working so closely with him. Uh, then Dr. B.M. Hegday, who I think should be everyone's mentor, everyone's guru. He's amazing. He has so many free videos on YouTube where he's done these powerful presentations where he's really good at articulating difficult subjects and making it easy to understand with loads of references. He is the man, I'm telling you, like, that India needs to, to really listen to, uh, at this time especially. Um, so, yeah, there's been people like that um, over the years uh, who've come together. And, uh, and I've actually also got, like, mentors in my, my, who have helped me with my own business. Like, I think there's, like, health mentors, but there's also business mentors. People are amazing at growing movements and business... Like uh, John Davey, who's actually the husband of Marissa Peer, he's built an amazing online school and certification with Marissa. And they have many, many um, uh, Marissa Peer instructors out there now doing hypnotherapy. And he's um, really guided me for many years. We've been friends for many years into becoming a successful entrepreneur. I've also met uh, the founder of Zumba, uh, Jeffrey Perlman, who's a a uh, very close friend, a mentor, and amazing visionary on how to create movements. You know, mm. so we're actually being mentored by Zumba themselves. So I've been very fortunate to have, like, through just following my passion, amazing people come into my life. Uh, actually, another guy I, I can't not mention is um, a guy called Safta Jaffrey. He's actually Indian, um, but his company, believe it or not. Uh, was basically the company that produced some of the best bands that came out of England, uh, Coldplay, Radiohead, uh, Muse. He managed Muse himself. He made Muse into the biggest rock band in the world. You know, um, and he actually managed me as an artist for a while. Uh, and, but he actually was like, look, don't get into the music industry because it's a hostile, cutthroat industry. It'll ruin your character. It's not what you're about. And we tried a little bit. We even were going to create big rock concerts in India. That was one of the things we were going to do. We went out there. We met loads of the heads of, like, Virgin and Sony and, and you know, all these in, uh, Saregama in India. And we met all these people. And, but it, it never took off, like, uh, in the way we expected. So he was like, look, focus on what you're doing with pharmacy. Because I'd always come home uh, and rant about, stuff in farm in the pharmacy industry that I didn't feel was like at the best it could be and he would be like look there's something in this farm and he became a mentor of getting me into doing the kind of work I'm doing now and 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 I'm and mu using music more as a therapeutic tool and really gave me a lot of encouragement um on that so I've had some amazing role models from different areas of my life and you know not just one side and I think it's important to have role models and mentors from uh, different areas of life yeah 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 absolutely to really surround yourself with those people that you know are going to see something in you that you maybe don't see in yourself and also that can you know just uplift you and expand you into into what is possible in different aspects as well yeah and um so i think that that's you know that's really important it's really powerful and now, moving sort of back into the quarantine situation or the lockdown situation, um, countries are now starting to open up, Thailand being one of them. Um, the cases are beginning to drop, and we're sort of moving out of these things, and everyone is in a huge rush to get back to normal, 
technical yeah. normal. <laughs> and um, but I sort of want to take this time to question, you know, what is um, you know what is worth rushing back to, and yeah. um, what is the normal that we're worth rushing back to? So, whether is there something in this time that you've um, you've really found joy in this time that you don't in your in your everyday no normal quote unquote life. Um, and are there other things that you you've decided? You know what? I'm not going to return back to that. Um, I in that space. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I've been really loving um, this time to just basically be really um, focused on what we're doing with Soma and yeah. um, building our team and strengthening what we're doing with our team, uh, which is all just living together. And I love the community spirit we have on this island, which is amazing. So uh, having everyone together and I definitely, we've decided we're all going to like keep this community vibe going with the company as we move forward. Um, you know, we'll probably go to Bali at some point as well, which is also a really cool place, very inspirational place. Yeah. Um, I've also spent a lot of time um, making more music and getting really creative, which has been really cool. Um, you know, so that's been very fortunate. I have a lot of time. I have amazing musicians on this island. Some of the best musicians I've ever met happen to also be quarantined here. They're our Soma kind of musicians and artists. But we've had a lot of opportunity Fantastic. to go deep on that and make some really interesting music. In fact, I just released an album as well with Wim Hof that I finished off some of the tracks during this time. You can get it on his, if you go to his YouTube channel, type in Wim Hof Music. It's called Set You Free, the album. It's quite an um, apt name for right now, Set You Free for a quarantine. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> had like 150,000 views already in like a week since we put the video up, which is amazing. So yeah, you can check that out. So a lot of creativity being happening. Incredible. Things I won't go back yeah. to. Um, well... Actually, to be honest, like not a lot has changed for me. Uh, you know, I mm. haven't really changed that much. Um, I think one thing I've realized a lot from this is uh, the polarization on Facebook, social media. And mm. I've been really debating, do I really want to engage with, with that kind of war that's going on right now on social media? Yeah. Um, so spending less time engaging in in stuff that we have no control over and just focusing more on yeah. what we can control and being really good. I've spent a lot of time here doing exercise and yoga and keeping up the practices. And uh, so, you know, I, I think not a lot has changed for me because we run a um, an online business. A lot of what we do is online. For other people, they're having to learn this for the first time, you know, because maybe they yeah. don't have a job to go back to. So one of the things we're doing, focusing a lot on with Soma is really focusing a lot on this opportunity we have with the internet and building the uh, online community and teaching our instructors to, to really learn and master the art of online marketing and, and reaching people through the internet and the various tools that we have like this, like we're using right now. So yeah, so this has just been a great creative, productive time to really go deep. It's really made me aware of uh, what's going on in the world, what really is going on, um, and how 
kind of awakened a lot of people are becoming but at the same time yeah there's also a polarization there's the others who will refuse to uh question anything and you know so yeah it's an interesting time a lot of awareness of of the world and how it works very interesting time and so how do you how do you see us moving through this moving out of this as a collective society and um what are some of the steps that you've taken to to prepare for that without being you know very crystal ball gazing or future predicting or anything like that just just how we're moving out of this i think we need to um really understand human rights and how that they can be taken away uh by authorities under situ certain situations like war uh for example and to really know your rights get to know things like that what what is under you know what is really what human rights are civil liberties so we need to understand that we need to go and and become aware of that stuff um other things is uh okay so let's say there is a genuine threat from a virus what are all of the holistic things that you can do for prevention okay uh you know so going deep on that becoming uh aware of the mind body connection and how much your emotions and fear impacts your own health so really understanding fear and and these emotions that uh can be triggered a lot in these sorts of situations we talk we teach a lot of this stuff in our soma breath courses like our 21 day journey is goes deep on all these things um and then also um start i think the world is going to change dramatically uh a lot of jobs are not going to exist uh because it was inevitable anyway because so many things can be automated by robots and machines what are we all going to do when we don't have jobs how are we going to um still survive how are we going to get an income stream so you know we need to start thinking in terms of how can we earn an income uh multiple sources of income not just one that relies on like your physical day job but start learning things like internet marketing and running an internet business and uh teaching stuff teaching is a very easy way to start actually earning an income online sharing skills teaching skills so i think there's going to be a rise in home based businesses like a dramatic significant rise uh i also see there's going to be a lot of problems from this unemployment and the economy and hunger and you know famine that can be really a big problem especially in places like india if the government do 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 something about it but i'm also very confident that there are certain things happening that i can see that has prevented this from being as bad as it could have been and i i also see uh, i'm optimistic i feel like we're going to bounce back from this in a way that has never been even imagined before and i think that some of the darkness yeah, is going to be kind of uh disappear and a lot more of the light is going to come to service from this as long as we stay aware and don't blindly follow everything we're told and we start to become self-aware and do the things that are right you know and this also means this also goes to uh for the there's a lot of misinformation out there there's a lot of 
unscrupulous people who are um, like making actual really dodgy conspiracy theories, like legitimate, cons like negative mm. kind of, sort of ridiculous uh, fantasies to mislead people and, and capitalize on them. Um, but then there is a lot of truth out there as well. So it's been discerning, really understanding the difference between what is just fantasy and but what is also real hardcore truths. And and this is a complicated thing. You have to go deep to really understand all of this. It's, I can't really talk about it all here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I have an interesting question for for you on that. It was it's not actually part of our our podcast questions, but I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. And um, about this, and it's really, we are in a time where we're bombarded by so much conflicting information. And we don't really have, uh, you know, we don't have a way of, find, of knowing what is exactly is truth. And so th these times really can't be discerned through our mind as much. So we have to really be in touch with our intuition and really sort of be connected, have that you know, mind, body, spirit connection to be able to navigate these times and discern these times. And um, so how do, you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are just beyond our control. And if we go down too many rabbit holes, we can end up all our time being spent trying to figure things out, which we can't really control anyway. So... It means that we get distracted from mm. the things that we can control, which is our um, skills that we can learn, new talents, um, new abilities. Pretty much everything can be learned for free off YouTube. There's so many amazing uh, educational pieces and how-to information on, on YouTube for free. And you can learn this time you could spend, rather than trying to figure everything out um, and and worry about what governments are doing and all that. We could also spend this time learning new skills, new talents, yeah. uh, which is what, what I really recommend exactly. people to do. And also then trust and have faith that there is a hidden hand that is out there guiding this towards a better future. But also be self-aware of just certain yeah. basic li human rights, civil liberties, and know when to take a stand when you feel like they're getting threatened. I also believe that there are the right people out there um, you know, who are protecting us from that going too far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely very optimistic about it myself as well. I think that we are going to come... There is massive change going on, and with massive change and growth, there is yes. always pain and um, challenges, but I do really believe that we're going to come out of this um, much stronger, much brighter, much healthier. Um, our earth around us is also healing, which I think is incredible. And, um, you know, there's great things ahead yeah. of us. And so on that note, um, let's get into this um, breathwork practice. But before we do that, tell us where we can find you. So where can we find you online? Um, where can we find out more about Soma Breath and the, the practices that you, you guys do? Okay, great. So go to somabreath.com forward slash free, and that takes you a direct link to our masterclass where you can sign up, get a free um, guided meditation, as well as learn all about the breath, how it relates to your autonomic nervous system, how you can tap in and influence your physiology. You can even turn your heart rate up and turn it down at will. I actually show you how to do that, all these awesome techniques. And um, so that's the first step. 
go there. We also have a YouTube channel. There's lots and lots of content on our Soma Breath YouTube channel where you can get a lot of free information as well. Um, and then we have like courses. So we have the 21 day journey, uh, which is super transformational. It's 21 day awakening journey. Um, in 21 days, you're going to have a dramatic shift to your life. And we have also instructors leading these, guiding people through these. And you can also become an instructor yourself. There's another way for you to actually create um, an income stream online is by becoming a Soma Breath instructor, which we have over 600 now. And many of those are actually creating extra income streams now and doing amazing good in the world, like really helping people. So join also our Facebook group, Incredible. Soma Breath, the Facebook group, and you'll see that we have a very thriving, um, busy community right now. Lots of inspiring people, like-minded people. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So yeah, I definitely think that everybody should check that out. Niraj, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And guys, please do check out our bonus episode where Niraj has very kindly recorded a full Soma breathwork practice so you can really get to experience and embody that quantum breathwork practice and really see the shifts and effects that you can experience after just one session. Great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Much love. Peace. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests' insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.